Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. How did you feel when you saw that video? Surely it's crossed your path by now. A video of a San Francisco art gallery owner hosing down a homeless woman sitting on the sidewalk by his business. The man appears nonchalant, aiming the hose down at the woman as she raises her hands to block the blast of water. The video, captured by a passerby, went viral instantly. And then the outrage ensued. The gallery owner, a man named Collier Gwynn, explained his actions to local CBS station KPIX. And when I look at myself on the film, I can't even believe that that's me. But... I didn't know what else to do. It was getting so frustrating. Many San Francisco residents and business owners like Gwen believe that city leaders aren't equipped to manage the homeless crisis. I've been down here 40 years. I've seen tons of homeless people. We've helped the ones that we could, and I have not had any issues with people. But in this case, I was very upset that the city could not help. In a recent Chronicle poll, only 8% of respondents had confidence in San Francisco's ability to fix the issue in the next few years, though more than 70% believed it was one of the city's biggest problems. San Francisco is grappling with solutions. In late December, a federal judge temporarily banned San Francisco police from clearing homeless encampments, as well as other tactics that would remove visible signs of homelessness. In recent years, residents like that art gallery owner, have taken matters into their own hands. Today on Fifth Emission, opinion columnist and editorial writer Nula Bashari explains why tensions between housed and unhoused San Franciscans have intensified. She says, if that viral video shocked you, it shouldn't. Those tensions have been fueled by San Francisco city leaders for years. Nula is here to remind us of what's missing from the debates about homelessness— true human compassion, and why the actions of house residents may be the key to finding solutions. Nula Bashari, welcome to Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. Nula, a lot of videos of disturbing incidents tend to go viral these days. Tell me your reaction to this one. Well, it's always a little gross for me to see these pop up. For me, watching them, there's such a deep sense of dehumanization, of not seeing the person being attacked as worthy of respect. This one felt particularly egregious in part due to how casual the man holding the hose was. That really resonated with me. He was leaning back against a railing in such a relaxed manner with crossed legs. And somehow that pose really expressed to me how little he seemed to care about the woman he was spraying with a hose. Mm. And hearing her call for help was also really heartbreaking. In a lot of these videos, you don't see the victim's reaction, but this one was really front and center. And you make this good point in your recent column that while this video got a lot of attention, this is Far from being something new, San Francisco residents have used forceful and sometimes brutal tactics in the past to remove homeless people away from their properties. What were some other high-profile incidents? 
Well, this one immediately made me think of another incident I covered in 2020, where the owner of a very high-profile event company conducted an unsanctioned middle-of-the-night sweep of a homeless camp behind his venue. It was broadcast live on Facebook by a witness, and that was a really devastating one for me to cover. It was still pretty early in the pandemic, resources were really slim for people, and the folks I talked to were really beaten down after that incident. They lost money, personal items, survival gear, and there were absolutely no consequences, despite the fact that these items were literally forcibly stolen and disposed of on camera. Mm -hmm. I was also really surprised after this incident that no one seemed to remember that this happened in 2019 with another gallery owner, believe it or not, Mm. who was caught on camera dumping a bucket of water on a homeless woman from his roof. And then, you know, thinking as well about how water is just often used as as a weapon, particularly against homeless people. So for years, there was a sprinkler system outside St. Mary's Cathedral, specifically designed to spray homeless people who tried to sleep in its doorway. So this this has been going on for a really long time. And I think also what was striking to me, Nula, is that this man is spraying a woman at a time when the unhoused population has to deal with the rain as well and trying to keep their belongings dry. I mean, the timing of it also seemed notable, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's confusing to me in general why he was outside in the midst of an atmospheric river and Pineapple Express and bomb cyclone with a hose. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I immediately just thought about her and I was like, how is she going to dry off? I mean, she can't go indoors. She can't change clothes. Like, what is she going to do? She's completely soaking wet now and it's cold outside. Mm -hmm. We now know that the man in the video is Collier Gwynn. He's been interviewed by The Chronicle and other news organizations. So we've heard his argument for his actions. I'm wondering what's your response to his defense, which is that he's had this frustration built up over time and he felt that this was the only way to get someone he called belligerent away from his business. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's it's the exact same defense used by the gallery owner with the bucket and by the event company owner who conducted the middle of the night sweep. I think there is across all political belief systems in San Francisco a, a massive skepticism that the city is actually going to do anything to mitigate this crisis. And so often people feel like they have no choice but to take things into their own hands. And unfortunately, that sometimes happens violently. Mm. So while we've heard from Gwen, unfortunately, we haven't heard the voice of the unhoused woman he's attacked. What do we know about her? What have we learned since this video went viral? So first of all, her name is not Cora, as as Gwyn thinks it is. He's gotten that wrong. She's been homeless in North Beach for years and has been a source of stress for many business owners and residents there for quite a long time. It sounds like, just based on what I've heard, that she's quite mentally ill, has cycled in and out of psychiatric emergency services. But I would like to hear from her in part because I'd like to know exactly what she thinks she needs. There's mm-hmm. this assumption that people with mental illness don't know what's good for them. But it could just be that she wants a service that the city is not currently offering, in which case we should figure out how to provide that to her. Interestingly, Aaron Peskin, Supervisor Aaron Peskin, who's now the president of the Board of Supervisors, he was aware of her issues as well. Is that right? Yes, correct. So I didn't talk to Peskin about this, though. He's been quite vocal about it on Twitter and in the media. But I did talk to his staff, and they told me that part of the job of being a legislative aide in San Francisco, for better or worse, is kind of being a case manager in these situations. And so they have been trying to get her help for years and years and years. But because of things like HIPAA privacy protections and just the opaque spiderweb mess of services in the city, it's really hard to know where her case stood. And so therefore, it's really hard to advocate for her. But I did hear, you know, political 
power does have some sway. I did hear that Peskin called Grant Colfax the head of the Department of Public Health, which seems like it maybe led to her finally getting indoors. It is sort of striking that a city official or a city official's office is aware that this person needs help, has needed help for some time, but couldn't themselves navigate the city's system to get it to her. What does that say about our system as a whole? I think it it shows just how incredibly inaccessible it is, you know, and there's this narrative that goes around about people being surface resistant, but I think often people just can't navigate the bureaucracy to get help for themselves. A lot of people are trying to get housing on their own, are trying to get mental health services on their own, are trying to kind of make a dent in, in this homelessness crisis for themselves, and they're not able to navigate this. I mean, imagine doing this if you don't have a phone, for example, or you don't have internet access. That is a huge challenge, but even if you are in a political office in San Francisco, you can't get people help. So, I mean, what are we supposed to do in this situation? It's it's a really bad crisis. More with columnist Nula Bashari after a quick break. What should proper care by the city for the woman who was sprayed look like? And what role should house residents play in finding solutions? We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Nula Bashari, you've examined San Francisco's management of its homeless crisis for some time now. And I'm wondering if you could break it down for me. If this woman had proper care and response from the city, what should that look like from your perspective? Well, in an ideal world, it would have started in the very beginning before she became homeless. So Mm -hmm. what would it look like, for example, if the city had a database of people on the margins of homelessness who may need extra support to stay housed? If she was indoors and had intensive case management, she may not have reached the street and probably gotten sicker. But now that she is on the street, it's very clear to me that she needs a point person. She needs a case manager who doesn't have an overwhelming caseload, Mm -hmm. who can advocate for her at every single step of the way, and who has that really intimate knowledge of how the city systems work. And that's what's been missing. You argue in your piece that conflicts like this will probably get worse because of the city's failure to meaningfully help people who live on the streets. You write that, quote, in the face of these failures, the narrative that homeless people's personal failings led to their state of despair has made it easy to dehumanize them. Nula, how could the city change the way that some San Francisco residents perceive unhoused people? Well, I believe that violence begets violence. And in my opinion, the city's practice of sweeping people, taking their belongings and not offering them adequate shelter or housing is a form of violence. When you see it happen over and over and over again, the hosing down of streets, the trashing of people's belongings, it it really could lead to people mirroring that behavior. So if the city is in charge of changing the narrative, I think it has to start internally. There's also this sense, I think, from watching this video that this man hosing down this woman is projecting 
the anger he maybe has at the city's inability to fix the issue onto this woman. There is this sort of projection, right? Yeah, I think so. And it goes back to the dehumanization as well, right? But it is that frustration. You can tell he's really frustrated. And mm-hmm. and in interviews, it sounds like he has repeatedly tried to get the city's attention to get help for this person and has not been able to do so. And so again, it goes back to how are we supposed to get people help if politicians can't do it, if people can't access it themselves, if a business owner can't do it? I mean, where is the path into services? At this point, police have said that they are investigating the incident and there are plans to present the case to the city prosecutors for potential charges against this gallery owner. How do you feel about that? Is that encouraging? Yes and no. Um, I mean, this is just one incident caught on camera. And like I said, I think this happens all the time. You know, whether or not this person is made an example of, I don't know that that would change people's behavior going forward. Maybe I'm just jaded, but I really don't see these charges going anywhere. Who seems to be a very well-resourced person. The victim is not well. I don't know if she has the capacity to follow through with filing charges. So while I think that there should be, I think it's a very violent incident. I think people are on trial for much less violent crimes than San Francisco right now. I just I don't see it going anywhere. So I also want to talk about the things that local residents can do. This incident elicited so many strong reactions and outrage. And there was also even criticism aimed at the man who took the video, a chef of a local bakery nearby. There are people who said, you know, he should have intervened to protect the woman. And people could argue he did a good thing by helping this incident go viral and get attention. What do you think is the responsibility of San Francisco residents to be good neighbors to unhoused residents, right? Sometimes we don't think about it like that, that we're all neighbors. I think you've got it exactly right. I think it's the same responsibility we have to be good neighbors to house neighbors. Say hello, buy someone a coffee. If if you don't have any change when someone's asking for it, make eye contact and say sorry, have a good day. There's just some basic manners that are really missing in these little daily interactions that I think make a difference in the long term. You know, often when I'm going out and reporting and doing outreach for stories, I will find someone in the afternoon and say hi, and they'll say, oh my God, you're the first person who's talked to me today. You're the first person Mm -hmm. who's looked at me today. And you think about that dehumanization, it can happen in these really violent ways, like this person with a hose, but it can also happen in all these little ways where people are just ignored for, for hours or days on end and start to feel like maybe they're not human too. So it can start with something so little. But in terms of making a big difference in the city, I think residents should really demand that their elected officials spend tax money on actual solutions and really looking at evidence-based solutions. So, for example, I mean, people say, how do we solve homelessness in San Francisco? It's this kind of everyone throws their hands up in the air. We can't fix it. But the solution to homelessness is housing. It always has been. It always will be. And until we actually make a dent in that area, we're not going to get people off the streets. Now, you've covered homelessness in the Bay Area for some time now, and as a columnist at the Chronicle, what's sort of the perspective that you try to insert into our coverage? We talk about homelessness quite a bit every day, just about every day. What does an incident like this make you think about your own work as you move forward? Well, it's funny, having made the jump from news to opinion columns, I've, I've started to notice more of a trend in, in what I write about. And when people ask me, I say, oh, you know, I write a lot about homelessness and the intersection between 
policy and public health. I write about people who use drugs. I write about immigration issues, criminal justice reform. And those are all beats. But really, I think that in a lot of the work that I do, there's this kind of (laughs) desperate call for compassion, you know, for people Mm -hmm. to just be nicer to each other. And that is whether it's in the queer community, in the trans community, in, in the homeless community, for people who use drugs, there is a lot of that in the work that I do. And I think that that is something that there isn't always a lot of room to be really obvious about in news coverage. You know, you're kind of covering the story and you're covering the facts. And and something that I hope that my work does a little bit is remind people of how human we all are, how deserving of care and compassion and kindness and resources that we are. And so I hope that in covering all of this, I I am inserting some of that into the narrative. Mm. It's such a good reminder, Nula. Thank you so much for your perspective. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Nula Bashari is an opinion columnist and editorial writer at The Chronicle. Find her column at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>